when he was warmed right to his toes and had several big logs burning on a broad bed of red-hearted grey embers, he walked the perimeter of his little grove, then spiled in through it, inspecting it. There was that cracked cedar at the edge of the little meadow, and in the shallows of the creek he found a block of flint with one sharp end and a length of rough edge, so that it resembled a massive clumsy burin. It would make an adequate chopper. He took it back to the cracked cedar and began to hack at the split in the trunk, detaching the bark and then peeling off the inner layer in sections as big as he could make them. Some of the strips were longer than he was. When he had stripped the tree of all the inner bark he could get off, he took it back to his tuck, added some branches to the fire, and then in its glorious warmth sat down to tear the inner bark into strips. This was slow and meticulous work, but very satisfying as the strips grew to a considerable pile. By midday he had more than he thought he would need. After tending to the fire again, he arranged the strips on some snow-free ground near his tuck. He had four or five score of them. He laid six in a line on the ground, and then wove six more across them, pleased at the simple but effective over-and-under pattern. He used longer strips for the ups and shorter ones for the arounds, and he offset the starts of the arounds each from the next so that the resulting tube would not have a weak line down it. Finally, he reached under and pulled the weave up the middle, then wove more arounds around the back, bringing the ups that had been farthest apart together. And after that, he had a tube, a legging. He did that again and had leggings then a triple-stranded length to serve as a belt to hang the tubes from, then hangers and a simple crotch strap to cover his cold pizzle. He stepped into the leggings and tied them to his belt and felt them catch his warmth immediately. Ha! After that, a vest, then a hat. Lastly, out of the remainders, a ragged short cloak. In rain, these clothes would get wet and then tear easily, but meanwhile, in his shelter, they would give him some warmth, and when it stopped raining, they would give him some protection too. What he needed for proper clothes was fur skins, of course, but that would take some getting. For now, his bark suit was the best he could do, and far better than being bare, or so he hoped. Now, being warm, he felt a real pinch of hunger. He had spotted some berry patches back in the meadow, so after putting three more big branches on the fire, he ventured out in his clothes to relocate them. It was still windy, but the rain had stopped and the clouds were breaking up. The verge of the meadow was furred by a bramble of duck's eye berries, and he reached in carefully and pulled some of last year's dead berries off the ground. These were black and flat, but they would give him something. Then he went to the place where the creek left the meadow. As often happened, he saw trout in the water there, tucked under the last curve of the bank above the outlet. He was not far from his grove. Through some trees he could see his fire blazing merrily away. He walked downstream until he saw a shallow spot that would work. He heaved rocks from the bankside into the stream until he had made a little dam across it. The creek poured through the gaps in this dam so easily that the water didn't rise the slightest bit behind it, but a fish of any size could not get through. Then he hurried back upstream to the meadow. There he took off his new clothes, stepped into the creek and walked downstream. When he was upstream from the last meander, he pulled a big rock from the bank and threw it hard into the midstream, at the same time jumping up and down and shouting. 
No fish flashed by, headed upstream, so quickly he sloshed downstream, still shouting. He saw there were no fish under the bank at the last turn. Presumably they had escaped downstream. He waded downstream toward his dam, a rock in one hand, a stick in the other. He hit his rock against rocks in the water, yelling as he went. Then he came to where he could see his dam. Ahead of him in the water, caught between him and the dam, were three trout. He dropped his rock in the stream and reached up onto the bank, and as quickly as he could, pulled rocks into the water and built another dam. As he finished, he had to fend off a couple of upstream rushes by one of the fish, but even that one was too frightened to try to flash past him, and the other two didn't even try. With the second dam built up well above the level of the creek, he had them in a little fish pen. Ah, he cried, thank you. He sloshed upstream to give a quick look to his...